today on Doomed. Selena Vickers, activist and Bernie Sanders delegate from West Virginia, who has been traveling around the country to attend DNC events as they hold meetings to change the nomination rules as we look towards the future of the party, joins us today to discuss her experience and you might have seen her in the news explicitly uh, mentioned in Huffington Post and Washington Post because uh, I guess simply attending these events and not being a part of the Democratic Party establishment makes you a possible Russian agent. Ooh, spooky folks. Russian spies, they don't scare me anymore. All right, everybody. So uh, thanks for joining us today, everybody. Uh, as you know, you could support this show at patreon.com slash madbinder. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes at doomedpod.com. Uh, let me pull up the feed here. You can also support this show by just, you know, telling your friends about it. Uh, let's do this. Uh, here she is, Selena Vickers, everybody. Hi, Selena. Hello, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's start with this. I think I told everybody a quick summary during the intro of the show. Um, but let's start with this. Um, you were a Bernie Sanders delegate uh, from West Virginia in 2016. Correct. So tell me uh, how you started. I mean, have you always been uh, politically active um, or were you sort of like 2016? A lot of people sort of got involved thanks to the craziness that was the 2016 presidential elections between mm -hmm. Trump, Hillary, Bernie and really, really all the crazy uh, Republican uh, candidates that year. Um, so, so tell me a bit about you get coming into 2016 and becoming a Bernie Sanders delegate. Okay. So I, I've always been, you know, somewhat politically active, uh, nothing. I mean, I thought it was politically active, uh, but uh, in hindsight, I, I wasn't, I always voted, um, in primaries and generals. I would have an issue that I cared about. I might, you know, if I was in DC, I might go by and talk to, uh, my representative about it. I'd go to uh, Charleston, which is my state capital, and on like a you know uh, the Humane Society, you know, animal rights, you know, day or something like that. But um, you know, but I never worked for a campaign. I never canvassed. I never phone banked. Uh, I didn't donate money. I mean, I uh, until um, 2016 or really 2015, I, I had not done any of that. And I, I did have a little foray when I was, I think, in my 20s where, um, do you remember when like John McCain and Granny D, um, they did this big thing on campaign finance reform and I was really connected with that. And I did a little stuff with uh, Common Cause, but um, I mean, I always knew that getting money out of politics or having a fair... Uh, campaign finance system that that like that's the root issue to all of our problems and um so i did a little bit of stuff with that then but like nobody cared about that issue like <laughs> right. nobody cared and then um and then i was on facebook one day i think it was in may of 2015 and um my daughter's dance teacher uh, ha had shared a meme and uh, I don't even remember what it said, but I th it was probably something about universal health care or something. I don't remember what it was, but whatever it was, it was, um, 
this quote was by Bernie Sanders, president for United States president. And um, whatever that said, it was like exactly like, oh, my gosh, there's somebody for run, run for president that feels this way. And so I had never heard of him before. I started, um, you know, Googling him and watching YouTube videos and um, like Absolutely. I just could not believe that somebody like this was running for president. I never in my entire life thought that somebody like him even existed in politics. Right. And so I was like, I am, you know, I'm just going to do everything I can to um, to help. And I didn't even know what to do. But me and some friends um, just started, you know, meeting and talking and then um the really, really funny thing is somewhere on his website, there was a thing about, you know, volunteering and it had like this list of things that you could do, you know, phone bank and this, that and the other. Would you canvas door to door? And then like one of the checks was, um, would you travel out of state um, to, to to canvas? And I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, so I'm a mom. I have at that time, my daughter was a, uh, a I think she was a, no, she was a junior in high school then. Um I work full time, you know, I have a real life, believe it or not. Right. And, um, and I remember thinking, who does that? Like who, who goes to another state? So that was like probably around July or August or something. And then, you know, we had done a lot of Bernie stuff in West Virginia. It was very, very popular in West Virginia. And then January came, which was the Iowa caucus. And just like, Every time a poll would come out, I'd watch so closely, and it just, you know, he was like 10 points behind, and then 8 points, and then 5 points, and it was like so close, and um, I just told my husband, I'm like, I, I got to go to Iowa, <laughs> and uh, so I uh, ended up um, hooking up with uh, some uh, people that I did not even know. 10 people out of Charlotte, North Carolina, they were, um, they were coming through West Virginia and going to Iowa. And I, on a Thursday night around 11 o'clock at night, I met them and got in a van with a bunch of strangers. I've never in my entire life done anything like that. And it was really one of the best experiences of my life. And we canvassed all weekend long and, um, you know, from morning till night. And then on Monday was the day of the caucus. And we, uh, we canvassed all day until about seven o'clock, and the the caucus started at seven. And we got back in the van and and headed home. So that was uh, so, n- nothing I'd ever planned to do. So you were in it, like you were, you know, you got involved, like you drove to. So from the beginning to the end, uh, you were, uh, and obviously because you showed up at the, uh, you attended the uh, the convention in July as a, a delegate from West Virginia. Um, wow. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we organized in West Virginia. Bernie won every single county in West Virginia. Right. And uh, he was very popular in West Virginia. Um, and so, yeah, it was uh, it was incredible experience. And then, you know, he was robbed. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so I want to ask you this, actually. I, I thought about bringing it up towards the end if we had time. But you brought up how Bernie won every county in West Virginia. And I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. This really isn't the point of the interview, but I think it's, it's you know, interesting to hear from someone who's from West Virginia, who is a progressive. Um, you know, people, a lot of people in the Democratic Party, you know, not the base at least, uh, when they think of West Virginia, they think of this deep red, probably one of the most Republican states in the country. And, you know, in many ways it is. But at the same time, before, what was it, 2000 with George W. Bush, 
West Virginia was the bluest state in the country. And it's mm-hmm. always bad. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know if people, especially young people who are Democrats or even Republicans know this. West Virginia was the bluest state in the country up until 2000. There was no state of all 50 states who went with the Democrat in the presidency more than West Virginia up until that point. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so what do you think happened? Well, nothing happened, really. I mean, the the Democrats. Okay, so here's what people need to know about West Virginia. And I don't know if other states are like this or not. Maybe they are. But West Virginia has one party, and it's the fossil fuel party. That's that's it. Fossil fuels control everything um, here and the majority of the politicians. So when the Democrats, um, you you know, were in charge, they were, I mean, the Democrats were passing, um, making mountaintop removal possible. They were doing horrible things. And I mean, I'm not going to say that they, that, you know, they did everything bad, but fossil fuels basically controlled them. And so when the, uh, when the tea party thing and all that, that stuff happened, you know, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, um, then all this kind of memorial majority thing that kind of kicked up and, um, and West Virginia is like a socially conservative state, you know, a Bible belt. Um, so that stuff sort of kind of like got, you know, kicked in, um, uh, so it, anyway, it, but even today, I mean, the, the bottom line is fossil fuels own, uh, they're in control of the state. But would you, would you say that, you know, if I, I also think, you know, I, I think Democrats, uh, were, are, are probably in terms of like, you know, the way, you know, coal mining is, you know, the industries that are, are that, like you say, run West Virginia. I think the Democrats are for the most part, Right in terms of, uh, well, actually, fully, not for the most part, they are right that these are old, you know, these are no longer going to be feasible industries. But I think they've done a terrible job in, like, you have all these people working in these industries. You can easily uh, say, but we'll create these programs so that you'll all be, like, you guys can move into these new, these new energy uh, efficient, environmental friendly mm-hmm. industries. We'll, we'll create this governmental program and make sure all you guys who've been working families and working in these industries for years get just moved into these newer industries and everything you know everyone will be fine Mm -hmm. and everyone will make their salaries and no one will lose out no one will lose money but they haven't done that and i think you know i do think people would be for that Mm -hmm. if they're you know if they're told you know these things are no longer going to be viable Mm -hmm. this is the future but we're going to help you prepare for it and we'll set you guys all up Mm -hmm. i agree 100 percent. but that's not what happens west virginia is Uh, resource rich and pocketbook poor. I mean, people from outside of the state have come to West Virginia for hundreds of years and, um, you know, or for decades, maybe a better way to say it. But I mean, you know, it was coal and it was timber and now it's gas and oil. And um, people who do not even live in West Virginia may have never set a foot in West Virginia. They want what is in West Virginia and they want to give nothing for it. And um, you know, unfortunately, our our infrastructure has suffered. Our education has has suffered. Um, I think I saw a map the other day that had population. Uh, every single state in the United States has, over time, you know, gained population except West Virginia. People leave West Virginia because I mean it's so hard to have a decent job or have a de- decent school and uh, different things like that. But it, it, if you, it it can all be boiled down to fossil fuels. Right. 
And one thing that interested me, I, I, we will get to this DNC thing in a second. We're totally going off on a tangent now. <laughs> That's but, all right. <laughs> one thing that really interested me was when the exit polls from West Virginia came out in 2016, um, I believe they asked people who voted for Bernie and people who voted for Hillary how they identified. And there was a liberal category and a conservative category. And more people who identified as conservative voted for Bernie. And, you know, people who don't know anything about politics uh, came out and said, like, oh, look at that. And people were saying Bernie's the more progressive candidate. No, that's, I, I, that's not what that meant. To me, this is what that meant. In West Virginia, the word liberal does not mean what it means in New York and California. The word liberal has come, even to me, I used to, when I was, uh, you know, coming up as a, someone who's really into politics in high school and college, I called myself a liberal. But as I got older, I, I, now I call myself I don't, I, I, a progressive and then I became – and then I called myself a leftist because even progressive is somewhat getting like taken over by uh, – yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. So like progressive used to be the term. And, and, mm-hmm. and then – so I call myself a leftist now. Um, but liberal has really come to people who are uh, maybe not as into politics or aren't from the coasts. So pretty much, you know, people think of liberal, they think of some sort of like rich hoity-toity celeb who uh, comes out for, uh, you know, for the social issues, but is nowhere when it comes to class or mm-hmm. economic issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your, your rich tech companies, you know, your Google execs, your, your Facebook execs, that's what people mm-hmm. think of when they hear the word liberal now. Uh, I don't think that's how it always was. Liberal used to actually mean progressive and then progressive used to mean progressive. (laughs) But that's what I think that exit poll showed, uh, Mm -hmm. that people in West Virginia view the word liberal differently than people elsewhere. Very much so. And um, and and here was the bottom line. And, you know, outside of the categorizing, you know, labeling people, which, you know, it's just. West Virginia, but um, the bottom line is, Bernie, we are a very, very poor state. Um, poor health, um, poor education system, um, just an enormous amount of people um, that are um, economically disadvantaged. And and Bernie's economic message, um, you know, and and his strong, he has a strong labor um, message. And West Virginia used to be, you know, it, it it's not so much now. It's starting to get a little bit better. But he had a very very strong uh, labor union message, and um, and that brought back the feelings that people had when they had power. When they had uh, when they had strong unions and they had a say and they had you know better pay and better benefits and somebody was you know looking you know they had somebody looking out for them I mean that that was in my opinion the big draw to, uh, to uh, of the majority of the people to Senator Sanders um, now and of course all the like millennials and stuff they they liked him for all the reasons everybody else liked him but there were a lot I mean I have um, here's my phone. Uh, when I, I got this when I was in, in Iowa, so a little phone case, you know, it has Bernie. So, uh, right. uh, you know, of course, you know, everybody sees your phone. I mean, everywhere I go, people are like, I love your phone. You know, I mean, old right. people, young people, everybody in between. Uh, oh, sorry about that. You broke up. A, you broke up oh, a little bit. Just go back oh, just I'm a sorry. little bit. Yeah, that's fine. 
Okay, um, but it's, you know, you know, there are a lot of different people, who, different types of people, and even Democrats um, who voted for Trump because that they really did not like uh, Hillary because Hillary didn't have that that you know. Um, I'm going to work for the underdog uh, message, and and Bernie certainly did. So a lot of people really try to throw that up in my face that um, oh the Bernie Hill, uh, the Bernie people just went for for Trump. But I mean, I, I think we shouldn't judge people on that. Right. I I do think if uh, you know, I really do think that if it was you know, uh, I mean, there's obviously racists in every state and horrible people in every state. But I do think that you know, in West Virginia, if a Democrat was to come along, like Bernie, who had a strong economic message, uh, West Virginians uh, would vote for him over the Republican, uh, even with also with that strong economic message. It's a strong racial equality, uh, uh, gender equality message. I, I really do think, and I'd say that for every state, probably, mm-hmm. if you have that strong economic message to go across with everything uh, else, I think you have a winning uh, platform there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Also, I want to point out that in this primary, uh, we could talk about this after the DNC, but I just want to point out in the 2018 primary that just happened for, for Senate, uh, more Democrats voted overall in the West Virginia primary than Republicans. So, you know. Okay, that's true. But Democrats outnumber Republicans in West Virginia three to one. So that's, you right. know, you have to factor that in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then again, they're, they're, that should even mean more so that, Demo- you know, West Virginia mm-hmm. is not as, you know, as deep red as it is people think. It's not like, you know, gone, you know, it was only up until 2000 that they were voting <laughs> uh, Republican. Right. And and the thing about it is, and, uh, you know, uh, whoa, we're getting into all these issues I talk about all the time. <laughs> I wasn't planning on talking about this, but like the West Virginia Democratic Party is run by, by Joe Manchin, who is a Democrat. Um, he is uh, a Democrat and our rallying, rallying cry for, you know, to get people to vote for him is he votes with a Democrat 60% of the time, you know, like that's right. a, they, you know, this is why we should vote for him. Right. Um, but him and his people, if there's a progressive, they, they keep them down. Um, they'll let a few of them come up. They want a Democrats to believe, you know, they really are behind them. Um, but in my opinion, not not like my county people or anything like that, but like the people at the very, very tippy top, like these DNC members, I think um, personally, I believe that their goal is to get just enough Democrat. I mean, they don't, they don't mind Democrats getting in as long as they'll vote for the fossil fuels. But, uh, you know, they want just enough of progressives to get in so they can kind of go, look, look what we have, you know. But I think they, they want to be very careful not to get, you know, too many uh, real progressives in. And uh, I firmly believe that. I can't prove it, but I firmly believe it. Right. No, that's, I, I think you're right. And I think that happens all across the country. And I think that's the perfect segue into uh, <laughs> your, your, your experience with the DNC. So let's actually get started with the, uh, this really interesting thing that happened where uh, you were so, – so like I mentioned, you've been traveling across the country going to DNC meetings as they've been uh, having these uh, rule-changing meetings as they prepare for the upcoming uh, election seasons. And so you've been going to almost all of them, probably more than anybody else who isn't involved with the process itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and – uh, so because you've been doing this and you've been taking video and notes and, and, you know, really being a sort of a citizen journalist here covering this, 
Um, you were recently uh, accused of being a, and I love saying it like this, a Russian agent. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so I would just like to uh, say that this is the official uh, activation uh, code coming on this show. You are now you are now to tell Putin everything you know. Uh, no, but so what happened? This is insane. And I think you know, uh, you know, I I, I I had you on not to talk about 2016 and rehash 2016. It's 2018. It's 2018, obviously though. But like, of course, yeah. you know, it's important. To, I think talk about it to understand why we got here, um, mm-hmm. and how we got here. Um, but you know, I, you know, we're seeing what's going on with the Trump administration, and we're seeing this. This you know, to me, this most recent thing is easily the most brutal. With these families being ripped apart as they cross the border. Children being taken away from their parents, no, no, not a chance to say goodbye. Um, parents hearing their kids in a separate room crying for them, and these parents are being held. And I believe I've even heard stories where the parents are sent back, but the kids aren't sent back with them. Oh my god! So I, I had not heard that. Yeah, oh my god! So it's just you know, unbelievable. We're talking about kids as as young as I believe I heard as young as, you know, twelve months old. I mean, just incredible and just heartbreaking and disgusting. And yes, we can talk about how the Democrats got us to this point, but 100% this, this policy... It's sp- happening now. Yeah. This is happening now, but also this policy specifically of splitting, taking the kids away from the parents is a Trump thing, period. This is yeah. not... You want to call Obama a deporter-in-chief because he, he deported more, uh, more people who crossed the border than George W. Bush? Absolutely. If you want to uh, 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 hit the Democrats for, for not doing anything to stop these policies that the Trump administration are now taking advantage of, absolutely. But this, this specific policy of splitting the families up is not on the Democrats. It is 100% the Trump administration thing. But, but we have to understand how Trump even became president. And as we look towards 2020, as we look towards 2018, obviously, first off, we want to make sure the, Dem- uh, the Republicans lose power in at least one of the, you know, either the House or the Senate, at least. But as we look even, you know, continue to look forward, the DNC is changing these rules to uh, ostensibly, and you could talk more into this because you definitely know more than me attending the, the, these, these things, to, to change the rules about superdelegates. Is that correct? There's multiple rule changes that they're doing, and one of the big ones is superdelegates, yes. So, so you've been going to these rule-changing meetings, and let's also make this clear because I know, you know there's a lot of people – uh, on the left, and a lot of people on you know the, the I call them the, the centrists down the, the centrist Democrats or the you know the 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 mainstream Democrats or the corporatist Democrats you know the people who are still online with the you know talking about how they're part of the resistance with the hashtag still with her who says they'll yeah. vote who says they'll vote for any Democrat in 2020 to beat Trump and then you say even Bernie mm-hmm. and they go no never Bernie <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, those, never Bernie you know, there's crazy people like that you know I do think they're a small portion of Democrats overall. All. The, the polls show. I believe that there's. I believe that's why you know online they call them the eight percenters because people all, poll after poll comes out and it says uh, uh, shows the approval ratings for Bernie in the Democratic Party, and I believe only eight percent disapprove of him. <laughs> so they are a very small but loud uh, major uh, minority. 
But then on the same, and they're all on the DNC, right? Yes. <laughs> but then in the same, promise you they are. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the same, in the same breath, though, there are still, you know, I think on the left, uh, I I know my fellow leftists and democratic socialists and full-on socialists, whatever, everyone on the left knows these guys exist. And we call them like the loony left or the dumb, dumb left. These, these leftists who, you know, stray into conspiracy theory and think Hillary Clinton killed Seth Rich, which is, you know, and I think they're a problem too. I think they, they don't help out our, our cause at all. And, you know, I think, you know, I think they get caught up in, in just how much the DNC affected the uh, the primary in 2016. Without a doubt, the DNC put their thumbs on the scales. Without a doubt, they affected the election in, in, in some way. They affected it in some way. Mm-hmm. But I do not think, uh, unfortunately, I really wish this was the case, Bernie, people have to understand just how low on the totem pole Bernie started and just how high he came, just how like close he got. But in the same effect, like, Hillary Clinton had this 20-year-plus lead ahead of him. Uh, she was the... the. It was her turn, Matt. Right, right. The, Hadn't you heard? Also, though, in 2008, it was down to her and Barack Obama. You know, Bernie's going to be in the position she was in terms of at least, like, you know, the, the, the runner-up in the primaries. She, he's going to be there in the next election if he chooses to run. Like, I do think most people have to look at him at having the same, obviously not in the democratic structure because the party obviously doesn't want him, but in terms of how the people look at things, you know, 2016, even people who aren't in the DNC or part of the Democratic Party bigwigs, you know, they viewed Hillary, I'm sure, as, you know, she's going to start as the front runner because of her position in the last election. And I do think Bernie will start in that position going forward too. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I, I agree. And I'm just going to just say this, though. I agree. I mean, I think uh, he's the most popular politician, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, Definitely, you know, his ratings will be good and stuff like that. But with that said, um, I don't think that the Bernie people should just say, oh, it's his turn. You know, absolutely. Uh, I didn't like it when they did it with her. He needs, you know, he he is working hard. We need to, you know, focus on what he's doing, but he needs to earn it. He doesn't. He doesn't get anything just because, you know, he's my favorite politician. He still has to earn it. You know, you're, you're blowing the minds of a ton of those like centrist Bernie haters right now <laughs> because that's that's how they view. Like it's like I just wanted to point out just like because when you get I think when you get into talking about 2016, there's going to be both those people that those crazy left conspiratorial leftists and then the same eight percenters on the other side. I'm sure there'll be a few people listening to this. And I just wanted to say, before we get into this anymore, you're both wrong. So let's, <laughs> let, let, let's get into this, this DNC, these DNC rule changes. Because I do think, actually, that the, this time around, that pressing the thumb on the scales for whoever the DNC chooses to be their, their favorite is going to mean a lot more. Because last time, while Bernie started from very low and got very high, it's still, when it comes down to it, that thumb pressing on the scales, it wasn't close enough for that thumb press pressing to be the overall change maker. I think mm-hmm. even without that thumb on the scales, Hillary would have walked away with the, the nomination and probably would have been a little bit closer, but she would have walked away. However, this time, without that Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, who knows, who knows if she's going to run again, <laughs> imagine, but without her running, 
it's going to be a lot more Democrats running. There's not going to be that clear front runner, that clear favorite. Mm-hmm. So that thumb on the scales from the DNC, mm-hmm. for whoever they choose to be their person, it's not going to be Bernie, by the way, is going to, is going to matter. Mm-hmm. So let's get into these rule changes. So what, what exactly are they proposing? Okay, so um, there. Okay, so there was four big, uh, what Larry Cohen calls buckets. Okay, and this came out of the unit back at the convention in 2016. All of the delegates, both Bernie and Hillary, we unanimously passed a resolution that Bernie and Hillary orchestrated that created the Unity Reform Commission and laid out four things for them to do. And then the Unity Reform Commission, they met five times. Uh, They came up with a report, Unity Reform Commission report. Um, And and so then that was handed off to the rules and bylaws so that they got it in uh, this past January. So basically, of course, superdelegates is one big, huge piece of it. And I'll go into like... A little bit more about that in just a second. The other piece of it was caucuses. Like my, I don't have a caucus state, but like Nebraska and Iowa, Washington, Nevada, they are. And there were people who attended caucuses. Um, they felt some of them felt like their voice didn't really uh, count. There, there was like some hinky things that happened. But the biggest thing, whether that whether the hinky stuff happened or not. It, the way a caucus works is, you know, hey, we're having it at seven o'clock this evening. If if you are a single parent and your kid has, you know, basketball, too bad. If you work at a hospital and can't get off that shift, too bad. If you're sick, too bad. Like there's no absentee ballot. There's no, uh, oh, I'm going to get up and go early to work. You have to be there on time and you have to, well, on time, but, you know, like you have to be there right. and you're there sometime for two or three hours. And <laughs> A lot of people cannot do that, so it disenfranchises a lot of people. So they wanted to try to look at a way that they could still – well, a lot of people just want rid of caucuses, period. But the big thing about caucuses is to – the caucus states really want to have them. They say it's party building, a lot of energy. They can find volunteers there and stuff like that um, to still have that, but still have a way that people can vote, you know, and count their vote and they can come sometime. And, and so there are like these reforms put in place that are trying to fix some of the problems. And what basically the goal is for caucus states is to put some things in place. If they can get it done and be better, they're okay. If they can't, they have to move to a primary. Um, so then the next one is uh, open primaries. That was a, a big thing. Uh, my state is, is okay. We've got a semi-open primary. So if I'm a Democrat, I can't vote on a Republican ballot. But if I'm an independent, I can choose which ballot I want to uh, to, to go with. Um, but like in New York, New York is like the worst of the worst. Oh, it, it is. I can tell, yeah. tell you from experience. As, I'm from New York. It, it's, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is... First of all, you I'm not sure the exact amount of time, but six months, it's six months. I think it's six months because if yes, people who decided from let's go back to 2016. Our primary was in the middle of April 2016. If you wanted to change your party registration from independent to Democrat to vote for Bernie or even Hillary, if you were independent, whoever you wanted to vote for come April, you had to make that change October of 2015. Yep. Which means that if you were to watch that first debate, which was in October 2015, 
and say, oh, I really liked Hillary. Oh, I really liked Bernie. Oh, I really liked Martin O'Malley. Who cares? Whatever. Exactly. It was mm-hmm. too late. It was too late for you. You already yeah. missed your chance to vote in the Democratic primary in New York. It's ridiculous. And ridiculous. It's, and it's done very purposefully, I might add. It is. And he, and the, but the other thing is if you are never registered, if you're like, if you're like you're a kid, you know, and you just turn 18, you know, um, maybe the month before the primary and you want to register to vote, you're fine. I mean, and I'm glad that doesn't need to change, right. but it's not like they don't have a process. It takes six months to process something. The intention, I mean, that is an intentional thing to uh, disenfranchise voters. So, um, so changing to open primaries where people can, can participate uh, in the voting process in the primary. Um, that, that was a big part of, of the reform. Um, another big piece of it is just party reform. Um, things like, oh, if you want to run for your county executive committee or your state executive committee, um, making those announcements, um, of when to do that, how to do that, giving people an opportunity to uh, to just basically participate. And there's a lot of like very specifics in there. Um, they, uh, I remember um, Jim Zogby. He wanted an ombudsman. Um, process for the DNC members. So if they thought something hinky was going on, they could uh, um, go have like some kind of ombudsman to go to, like when the debate issue was going on and uh, when the just different things that were happening. You could uh, you could go to. So he really wanted that, and uh, so it's so a different kind of party reform type things. And then okay, so let me tell you what happened with the superdelegate thing. So they've they've basically dealt with all that. All that is ready to go. They were those reforms will be ready to vote on in August. That's when the full so. So, okay, let me, the Unity Reform Commission, they made these recommendations, they passed it off to the Rules and Bylaws Committee, and then that Rules and Bylaws Committee looked over all these and and tried to, they, they don't have to go with reforms, but for the most part, they did. And so they tried to figure out how to put that into rules and what that would look like and what would pass the DNC as well. So they're going to have one more phone call. And then the big DNC meeting, the full DNC meeting will be in um, August in Chicago. And that's where everybody will vote on these. So the they did not definitely decide on what they were going to do. But here are their options. There are like several options that they're looking at. One option, and not very many people, uh, there's like one or two, you know, old timers that want this, is just like, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> Superdelegates are wonderful. It's a tremendous system. We need to not change anything. So, okay, that's one option. That's not going to fly. Uh, the other option is the option that's laid out in the Union Reform Commission, which is they were bound by the resolution that we passed at the convention. So they didn't really have any choice. But basically, what that said is you would still have obviously your pledge delegates, which were the people like me, you know, that just, you know, ran for, um, you know, to be a delegate. Right. The, the people, the last time that were super delegates were people who were DNC members already, which are state chairs, vice chairs, democratic men, democratic women, and people who are like the chair and vice chair of like the, um, Democrat, the governors associate Democratic Governors Association, or the um, uh, Democratic Secretary of States Association. They have all these associ- associations. So if you're a chair, or vice chair of those, you're a DNC member, okay? And then they got a bunch of at-large, which are basically just chair favorites that are there. And then 
you have the group, what they call distinguished party leaders. Those are your members of Democratic members of Congress, Democratic presidents, ex-presidents, vice presidents. Um, if you very distinguished, very distinguished, very. Oh, very. very yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if majority leader, you know, so there's like Democratic governors, there's like these certain people who are, are what they call in that category. So what the Union Reform Commission, what, what their recommendation was based on that resolution was members of those distinguished party le leaders, they would keep their super status. They could be unpledged, period. All of the DNC members, they were automatic delegates. So they would automatically get to go to the convention and they would get to vote and participate in all the, uh, the things, but they had to be, um, proportional. They had to vote proportion. They had to break themselves up proportionally to how their state voted. Mm -hmm. So, so basically what that did is reduce the two superdelegates by like 60%. So I, initially I was like, this is the best we'll ever get. I was sort of okay with, it. I mean, I, I wasn't happy with it, but I thought it's a big foot in the door. Right. Um, so then the unity reform, uh, the, I'm sorry, the rules and bylaws, they have come up with some other options. And I mean, and honestly, surprisingly, because the other thing that uh, another, sorry, a little aside, but back in, October, the DNC had their fall meeting, and Perez had just got installed um, in you know the the meeting before that. So he got to pick his committee people, and so basically he kicked all the Bernie people and all the Ellison, everybody that backed Ellison and Bernie, kicked all of them off of these big main committees. The big committees are executive committee, uh, budget resolutions, and rules and bylaws. So he kicked all them off and replaced them with people and his his reasoning was he wanted more diversity but he would like kick a person of color off or you know a gay person off and then replace them with another diverse person that supported him or Hillary. So, <laughs> you know, it was like this. I mean he's I mean it was a brilliant strategy. We, we need you know? more diversity of the people who like me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So I was, I mean, I thought, okay, we're, we're doomed, you know, now because, but I mean, surprisingly, they have, some of them are really pushing to get rid of uh, superdelegates super delegates completely. So one option I just is, gotta, I'm sorry, I gotta stop for a second. 22 episodes in and finally a guest has used the name of the show. Oh my gosh, you're gonna kidding me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's taken this long. Unbelievable. What do I win? Uh, just, I, I'm going to have to invite you back on for sure. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, um, so, okay. So the other option um, that they're coming up with, and the, and I actually put, put this on the, um, on my Twitter and, and Facebook page today, I made this nice little meme of uh, Randy Weingarten, who is the president of AFT. And she made the most, you know, greatest speech and talked about the importance of the grassroots and we need to honor what comes out of the caucus and primaries and we need not to interfere with that. And, and uh, she, as just one more aside for any, uh, you know, any of those centrists who may be listening to this, Randy Weingarten was a uh, strong Hillary supporter during the primary. Yes. She was not a Bernie person. Nope. Nope. She was not. Not no, absolutely. And in and my first conversation with her, I mean it was a nice conversation, but it was a 
I mean, like we were like way, way, way apart on things. And like now, I mean, not that I had anything to do with it. I didn't, but you know, but now like she made the the speech, you know, last Friday and said, let's let, you know, the people who are supers, the DNC and the distinguished party leaders, they just don't get a vote on the first ballot. The first ballot will be completely representative of the caucuses and primaries. And then if there's not a clear winner, then on the second ballot, then the supers can vote. So I thought that was, you know, a brilliant option, you know. So then there were a few people who didn't like, um, who, who really wanted to participate. So they came up with the option of, okay, let's, um, if there is a clear winner and everybody knows it going into uh, the DNC uh, convention, then there would be like there would be some kind of uh, a trigger. Like if you know uh, if you know that Hillary was going to win, uh, then it would automatically be a trigger that all the superdelegates then they get to vote. So then people. So then Maria Cardona, um, she uh, sometimes you might see her on CNN. She's on the Rules and Bylaws Committee. And she started talking about the, the perceptions because nobody on that committee believes that superdelegates really, um, you know, affect the outcome. But they fight really, really hard to keep them on. My God. Right. So um, well, what I think they the, what they really do is, you know, they 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 haven't so far, at least have changed the outcome of an election. But I do think, you know, if you're someone who is not that politically active and you're deciding whether you're going to go uh, vote in a primary uh, and you see that one person is so far ahead because the superdelegate numbers are counted at the very beginning, yeah. you go either, well, I'm going to vote for the person who's going to obviously win because I want to help make sure that that person must be the, the best shot we have at beating the Republican if they're already mm-hmm. getting all the support. Or mm-hmm. they go, oh, I'm not going to vote for the other person because they're so far behind that there's no chance they're going to win. Or I'm not going to go at all because such and such is already ahead. And then they don't down ballot vote on other important issues. Right. And so, yeah, that ticker tape at the top. I mean, to me, that that ticker tape is huge and it's misleading because they count they count superdelegate votes before and the superdelegates don't get to vote until they get to the convention. You know, so and those and and I and I think the other thing is that um, like in my state of West Virginia, you know, Bernie Sanders won every. Here's the backside of that. He won every single county, every right. single county in West Virginia. Hillary got 36% of the vote. People came. I mean, they were there was so much energy, you know, and they came out and voted, right? So then on the nightly news, they're like, um, you know, okay, well, here's how the delegate count is now. And and you see that, he, that Bernie won everything, but then Hillary almost got as many delegates as him, um, well, actually, she ended up getting all of them at the end because of some things that happened. But, but anyway, so people like these young people who were like, you know, it's their you know first time that they really got excited and they 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 went and vote. And uh, I, I mean, I got some Republicans to change their voter registration to vote for Bernie, right, in the primary. I have a, I have a quick question, actually. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I, I know I, I really do believe that Bernie Sanders can defeat Trump in a in a presidential election. Oh yeah. But would he win in? Would he defeat Trump in West Virginia? You know. I don't know. I think he would have. I'm not completely sure. I'm a, I really am not. But because I don't think I, they, I, I know for a fact, no Democrat, at least on a national scale, would win West Virginia, period. Definitely not against Trump. 
Bernie, however, you know, I, I maybe Ber- Bernie would be the only one. And honestly, I don't know. But this is what I do know, that we could not get the vote out for Hillary. I mean, I, I personally, I didn't try, but um, <laughs> but other people did. You well, know, also, there's well, really not, no I not mean, even really. I mean, the West Virginia Democratic Party didn't even try to get out the vote for her. They told other Democrats who were running to not associate, to distance themselves from Hillary. Anybody wanted to vol- volunteer for Hillary, they sent them to Ohio or Pennsylvania. Like, they did not even try in West Virginia. Right. And well, that, makes, so, that does make sense, though. I mean, it's, it's not good to, you know, it, it definitely looks bad and, and tells people in West Virginia that you have no hope that they're going to, that you're going to, you know, why even bother? But I do understand that strategy if, you know, if you're, you, you do need the resources. But again, I, I don't think they really, I mean, maybe they did need the resources looking at how it all turned out, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Trump was really, really horrible. And, um, you know, and what happened, but the big thing, and this is what my point was to them at Unity Forum and, and Rules and Bylaws, is when we could not get the vote out for Hillary, then all the Trump people came out and then they voted down the ballot Republicans. So now our state house, our state Senate and our governor are all Republican and they're passing these horrible, horrible things. And I truly think that, you know, I mean, the exact same superdelegates who pushed Hillary over the top to, you know, she won West Virginia without winning one county because all superdelegates lined up for her. You know, she ended up with 19 delegates, Bernie 18. And those exact same superdelegates and those people who worked really, really hard to undermine the people of West Virginia would not, told our other candidates to not get behind her to distance themselves from her you know so they they are, i believe are responsible for our down ballot uh, situation that's so bad so we don't have anybody in there like doing anything to to try to help us or at least not in the majority we should at, so, we should at least change the name of superdelegates because we're not going to get rid of them it looks like but maybe people wouldn't want to be i a don't su- know i think we might really I think there's really? a, I think there's possibility. I really do. I mean, they, I'm, t- okay, so here's the thing. Let's get back to that then. Where, where, <laughs> we, where we left off, because where we just left off before we got on that little aside, it yeah, sounded like, yeah. it sounded so like it was getting better, but it was still going to be there. But yep. if you're telling me differently, then I, mean, I, they, I was going to say if, if, if we could at least get them maybe called like, you know, sh- shitty delegates or something. So people have to <laughs> proudly announce that they're a shitty delegate, like, you know, something <laughs> like that. Like, oh, but if they we, hate it. If they we, hate the name Super. They'll be glad. They'll glad to change. Even, even, oh, <laughs> they just get rid of them then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now they're trying to figure a way, and I, I think the, I think they're really trying to figure out a way so that they can sort of be super and vote. Um, but only on the second ballot um, or uh, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, it is not going to be perfect, but they have a vote that's going to happen on, on the phone on either June 26th or 27th. It's my understanding. It's going to have a, it'll be a public phone call. And I think they're going to make that decision then. And, and here's the thing um, that they, and, and all the, the, my super, super left people will say that I'm stupid for saying this, but I, I truly believe it. Like they know that they have to change. They, they want to win, um, in November. They want to win in 2020. They absolutely want to get rid of Trump in 2020. Uh, they want to flip either the house or Senate. They know that they have to do something like it. They are in crisis mode. If they do not change, 
um, they're going to they're going to go away. I mean, they are going to lose over and over and over again. They know that they have to change. And I think what they want to do is change just enough to, you know, to, to get by. You know, what is that? What is that? Um, how much can they change, but then still have control? Because every all these reforms are about giving control to people to, you know, to the people. And they don't trust us. I mean, that's the biggest thing. They do not trust that we will make the right decision. And so they want to keep they want to keep some um, some control. So, but I firmly believe that there will be some major reform that happens in August. I don't know if it'll be perfect. I, I know it won't be for, perfect. But the Bernie people are not going to be completely happy, and the diehard DNC people are not going to be completely happy. But hopefully, it'll be enough to unify and give us a foot in the door, so that people who do care about reform can run for these positions and get in, and then eventually make real reform. Well, while, while you feeling good about it definitely has me feeling a little bit more, I guess, optimistic than I, I, I normally would, I guess, being that you've been attending these things and you've been seeing it, <laughs> the process play out. Um, one thing that definitely uh, has me maybe uh, not so, maybe more pessimist than optimist is that while all you've said is good and they want to change, uh, nothing says I want to change like saying that the one person there who's just observing it all to see it all played out is a Russian agent. So what happened there? What happened there? Let's get to this finally. Okay. So there's a little bit of a story to this too. I'm sorry. I'd be so wordy. Um, okay. So we're going to have to go back to the nineties to actually where this began. All right. <laughs> So we had this really, really amazing woman. Her name was Charlotte Pritt. She was like the Bernie of her time. She ran, uh, she was in our state legislature and she ran for governor. Just, I mean, we just incredible energy around her. Everybody loved her. Um, Joe Manchin, who is our current, you know, senator in Congress, he was in the the state legislature as well. So he, he and her ran, both run for governor. She won the primary. Okay. So then Joe Manchin, who I mentioned earlier. I just want to say, ha, Joe Manchin, you lost (laughs) that one. Ha. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he did. And, um, and and remember how I talked to you about, you know, fossil fuels control West Virginia. So instead of him getting behind the winner and uh, I mean, we could have won that. We could have had like, uh, you know, a female Bernie that was our governor back in the 90s. Everybody loved her. Joe Manchin worked to create an organization called Democrats for Underwood, which was the Republican. OK. And uh, and and uh, Underwood won instead of Charlotte Pritt. OK. So, so this is I actually did not know this. And this is really interesting to me because Joe Manchin literally did. What those eight percenters, those Bernie haters, period, like oh. they literally, he literally did what they claim Bernie did, which he didn't. He supported Hillary, worked harder than anybody, minus Bill and Chelsea, to get her voted, uh, to get her elected. Just, I'm like my my mind is being blown right now, and they come out and defend Joe Manchin whenever Bernie, uh, the Bernie, uh, the, the Bernie supporters in the left and the Democratic socialists, even give the slightest criticism to Joe Manchin simply because he has that D next to his name. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So then we fast forward to 2016. So we have, you know, the Bernie Hillary thing going on. So the people who were running for governor in West Virginia, the Republican was the, I think it was the speaker. He was a speaker of the uh, Senate or Senate majority uh, president or whatever it was. So he was running for, for governor. His name was Bill Cole. 
horrible Koch brother owned Republican. I think he was a millionaire. All right. So then we had this, this other Republican named Jim justice who Joe Manchin recruited to run for governor on the democratic ticket. So about two or three weeks before the deadline to register as a Democrat, Jim justice, who is a billionaire who owns coal mines, who had, who never pays his taxes. Is that his real name? It can't be Jim, Jim justice. I, I refuse to believe that's his real name. <laughs> He's got a great name. <laughs> his name is Jim Justice. And uh, he's, he's like the Trump of West Virginia. I mean, I think he's a little bit nicer than Trump. But anyway, so yeah, so he, uh, he changed from Republican to, to Democrat and he ran. Again, he's a, he's a, a billionaire. And we had a really good uh, guy by the name of Jeff Kessler who was running. Every, and, and he was a good guy. He was a good Democrat good guy he's not perfect but he's a good guy and i think joe manchin and his clan did not want him so they got jim justice and then they recruited this other really nice guy uh booth good one so basically it's you know split you know the the race jim just and manchin is like brilliant about doing that he 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 knows how to recruit just to split just right. right so jim justice won okay uh won the primary so then it was horrible bill cole and horrible Jim Justice, who are, I mean, I just can't even tell you how horrible they are, right? So then Charlotte Pritt had, you know, tried to do reforms back in the, you know, 90s and, you know, back when I wasn't paying as much attention. She tried to reform the Democratic Party and couldn't do it. So then she joined the Mountain Party, which is the Green Party in West Virginia, okay? So... She decided that because our options are so incredibly horrible, she was going to run for governor again, right? Right. So to me, Jim Justice and Bill Cole were one and the same. So I, I supported Charlotte Pritt. Well, the reason that Charlotte Pritt was able to run rather easily is because they have been able over time to keep ballot access. Like I think if you get like 3 or 5% or something um, in previous races, you keep ballot access. So – one, I was voting for Charlotte Pritt because she was the only decent option, period. And so um, what happened with, um, you know, I already told you that, you know, Hillary could not win not one case. We just lost her. One second. I'll get her right back and we'll uh, fix this for the podcast. Uh, no big deal. This happens. This is the first time uh, someone's dropped off on this show, but it used to happen all the time on the Majority Report. Now's a good time, I guess, to uh, say that if you'd like to support this show, become a member at uh, patreon.com slash mattbender. Uh, right, there we damn. go. All right, okay, great. I have no idea how that happened. Oh, don't worry about okay. it. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, Hillary, there was zero, zero chance of Hillary winning in West Virginia, right? right? So I had the option of voting for Trump, which was not going to happen, voting for Hillary Clinton, which I really didn't want to. I probably would have if I was in a swing state because Bernie wanted me to, but I really did not want to. Uh, but I was in a very safe state in terms of that. So a lot of my friends were writing in Bernie, but I decided to vote for Jill Stein. I like Jill Stein. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a Jill Stein hater. But she just wasn't like really who I wanted. But to me, I wanted to I wanted to get enough people to vote for Jill Stein to get keep the Green Party or the Mountain Party to have ballot access in West Virginia. Specifically so that was the only because of your experience during the governor's race. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So um, so to me, each was the way 
you know, helping or, you know, Trump or hurting Hillary, there's no way that she could win in West Virginia. So to me, it was a smart vote to help the only, you know, the people like Charlotte. Okay. Right. So now, me personally, I'm no Jill Stein fan, but your, your way of voting makes perfect sense to me for, for the down ballot races. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So to me, I mean, it just made perfect sense. So, I mean, it was the best that I could do with my one little vote. So, um, so, and so I go to these meetings, blah, blah, blah. so at, in, when I was in Nevada, Bob Mulholland, which is the guy that made the accusation about me, um, he introduced a resolution to force Angus King and Bernie to be uh, a Democrat. And who, that who, failed. Who is Bob Mulholland, by the way? He's, I, I looked he, up a little bit about him. He seems to be just like this longtime senior Democratic operative DNC member, basically the senior uh, sort of strategist for the party based out of California. Yeah, um, I, I don't know tons about him, but it's my understanding he's done like really weird things like um, people have done, uh, you know, uh, voter registration and they voted uh, somehow or another. He got their voter registration forms. They voted uh, or they registered independent or green and he would call them up and try to get them to change to, to Democrat. And he's done some other things that have gotten him in trouble and got kicked out of things. But I, I really don't know a lot about him, but he is a very vocal uh, DNC member, and he's been voted on by his district um, in California. And so um, I just went up to him. I, I was there at the resolutions meeting. I, I, I live streamed it. And then afterwards, I just went up to him. I just wanted to have a conversation with him. And um, he basically ended up like yelling at me a lot. And uh, I was trying to have a conversation with him about, you know, how important Bernie was to West Virginia and da, da, da. I mean, it was like in one ear, out the other. And it, I, I had my friend there. My friend like yelled at him and started crying because he was yelling at me. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> but anyway, I just didn't have a good experience with him. Um, but then he was at uh, the next meeting that I was at in um, in D.C., which I think was in December. And no, 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 no. Okay, wait. So in the, in Nevada, he uh, when I was then live streaming the the big DNC meeting on that Saturday. I was just like sitting in the back of the room live streaming, and he just comes out of nowhere and walks by like right as I'm live streaming. He said, "Who'd you vote for for president?" And I said, "Jill Stein." And and then he made he said something. I don't remember what he said. And then he left. Now this email that he sent to like the DNC people, I ended up Dave Weigel uh, ended up I asked for a copy of it, so I got a copy of this email that he sent. He said that that he dragged it out of me that I voted for Jill Stein. I mean, he literally walked by and said, "Who'd you vote for?" And I said, "Jill Stein." So. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, and then I saw him again and and he said something kind of rude to me. And like I like at this point, there was just some people that I mean, there's no sense talking to him because they're not going to listen. And I just didn't want to talk to him anymore. And then the next thing I mean, that was like, I think in December that that happened. And then um, and then I really have no clue what happened over the weekend. All I know is I was at work. On Monday, and I got a text from Dave Weigel, who's one of the reporters from the Washington Post who covers some of these meetings, and I just know him from there. And he texted me the Huffington Post story, and he knew – I mean, I'm the only one from West Virginia who goes to multiple of these meetings. My friend Lissa went to the one in Nevada. From the but, sounds uh, of it, you're one of the only people – in general, who, who, go, who, who, go, <laughs> who, who goes to these meetings who aren't involved in the actual like rulemaking true. process. But that's good. We need someone who's covering this stuff. There but no, continue. 
Mm-hmm. Root, Roots Action. They uh, they often send some people. There's some other um, you know activists that that come. Um, but anyway, so. Uh, so you know, ha- you know, uh, live streamed. You know, uh, the the rules meeting, the live stream, the executive committee meeting. I came home. I was at work on Monday, um, and so got this from Dave Wagle, and I read the the article, and it basically said that you know that there was no somebody was covering my expenses. So now, I mean, I don't have a lot of money, but um, you know, and I do travel really cheaply. You know, I stay at Airbnbs. You know, I look for cheap flights sometimes I stay in hostels and stuff like that I just like go as cheap as I can so I can go and um so I just um you know a lot of stuff I bought like my plane ticket and my Airbnb was uh online so I had my receipts and I just forwarded them to to Dave and then he contacted Maholland again and Maholland kind of doubled down and I get I mean I I figured up I think I spent like that last weekend was like about three hundred and thirty dollars between my plane, my train, my lifts, you know, right. uh, Airbnb, blah blah blah. I mean, literally, I did it that cheaply, like three hundred thirty bucks. So it kind of fin- offends me that he thinks that people from West Virginia can't afford three hundred thirty bucks for a week. <laughs> well, cl- clearly, clearly, well, clearly, what you're doing to make sure that you don't get caught is that you lay out the money and then you forward your reimbursements to Vladimir Putin and. <laughs> He just he just uh, West unions you the 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 three hundred thirty dollars for that one. That's how it works, uh, obviously. I mean. <laughs> so I mean, it really was bizarre, and I um I really appreciated David Weigel's um, article that that he wrote, and he got a couple things wrong, and then he corrected them. He said I did run for office. His initial thing said that I lost by five hundred votes, which is not true. I only lost by like sixty votes uh, when I ran for office. Oh, good for you. That's and, great. Um, That's I hope you I hope you run again because next time it'll probably be that you'll win. Well, um, as long as the pe- whoever gets in, if they do a good job, I'm going to back them. If they don't do a good job, um, right. well, we'll see. But right. I'm I'm not going to run against somebody that's doing a good job. No, I hear that. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, and then um, so then after David Weigel's article, my name was out, and then that's when things really got wild because I I mean like my Facebook blew up and. Um, I had to go talk to my boss. <laughs> you know? So, so he never, he he never. Your your work found out about this, really? Wow! Did people start contacting yeah. your like your. My boss was in a like a major board meeting when she started getting, uh, yeah, texts about this. Yeah, wow. I mean, luckily everybody, like everybody, thought it was really funny. Everybody's been very supportive, but I mean, it kind of throws you for. I mean, I mean, I'm like nobody in West Virginia, and then all of a sudden, like my my name is out there, and then like everybody like wants to help, you know. And people were like, hey, you know, start a GoFundMe so I can send you some money, and uh, you know, stuff like that. So it. It, it actually worked out really good, but it was not anything that I was expecting and, or ever planned for. <laughs> right. So uh, have you heard from anyone in, the, in, in Russia about any of this yet? Have you? <laughs> I have not, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what has disappointed me is, I mean, I don't have the best relationship with my DNC members. Like in terms, like we disagree on a lot, but like, I think that they know that um, I really want things to be better for West Virginia and that every time that I push them, uh, like they know, I think that they know who I am in my heart, you know, even if I disagree with them on things and push them on things and not one of them has reached out to say publicly anything in support of me or, um, I mean, it, it, 
I mean, that really has disappointed me that, and one of them is in my county. Like one of them lives in my county and has not reached out or said anything publicly about, hey, you know, Mulholland or, you you know, back off. This is, this is our, this is our girl, you know, but whatever. So he didn't tell you this to your, your face. He asked you who you voted for and then time went by and then I guess just your constant presence bothers him or bothered him. And then he decided to just randomly bring this up months later via email to DNC members. I think so. I mean, when he when we were in D.C., when I told you he was like trying to pick a fight with me or something, I mean, he was he said something about just on and uh, and Russia and sitting with Putin. But he didn't make that accusation against me at that time. But like I'd already decided in Nevada, like I can't have a conversation. I mean, like you can't have a conversation with him and so i just you know i'm polite to people but i did not want to get into it with him so i didn't really engage with him at that point but he did say something about just dilstein and russia and then that i think that was either in december or january i think it was i think it was last december and then i haven't heard anything from him there was like a spring meeting and i saw him there but we didn't speak that i remember so it's just bizarre so are you already waiting, uh, prepared for, I guess I should say, are you already preparing for the, uh, the grand return to the next DNC meeting after all this has come out? Yeah, I've already got my plane ticket. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, uh, yeah, it's uh, August uh, 23rd, 24th, and 25th in Chicago uh, at, at the uh, Hyatt Regency. And so, yes, that that will that because that's when they're going to, I mean, this is the meeting I've been waiting for is when they uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you broke, really, you're breaking up a little because, bit. Just This is the meeting you're waiting for uh, because... Oh, this is where they're going to make the decision that they will make the decision on all these reforms, including superdelegates. And um, I've been, you know, waiting two years for that. And so I would not miss that for the world. And I really I I just I pray that they will um, they would do the right thing so that we can have something to unify around. It's not going to be perfect. I don't want anybody, anybody to expect it to be perfect. But if it's just enough that we can get a foot in the door and, and, and start moving forward. And they, and I, I, I want them to not treat Bernie people bad. And I want the Bernie people to not treat them people bad. I just want us to, you know, work together, respect people's differences and, and move forward. That's what I want. I completely agree. And you have this added bonus too, that this was going to be interesting enough for in general, <laughs> but now you're going to go and it's going to be the first time where uh, you've seen all these faces after uh, you've been accused of being a Russian agent. I, 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 I would bet that somebody offers to buy me vodka. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm looking at this picture, Selena, and, the, you know, that famous picture of Putin sitting at that dinner table in Russia with Jill Stein and Michael Flynn. <laughs> I'm looking real close. You sure that's not you <laughs> sitting in the back in one of those back tables? I mean... I don't know. <laughs> I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Selena Vickers, she is an activist uh, from West Virginia who has been really, I, I honestly don't think there's been anyone who, I, I know that uh, uh, Nomiki from Young Turks has covered the DNC stuff great, but really you have gone uh, beyond even that and been really attending all these things and making sure everyone has been not only informed, but also that 
over there as they're doing this and they see, oh, look, there's no one observing really. We're making sure everyone's been in line, I guess. So, uh, well, that's, and to me, that was the important part. A lot, it started out to like people wanted to know what was going on. And so I started live streaming it. But then after I started thinking about it, like they are making historic decisions that, I mean, that will absolutely affect all of us. And I, in my mind, and I might be delusional, but in my mind, the fact that they know that they are being recorded. Now, they have recordings. I'm sure that they, the DNC has transcripts and things like that, but you will never get access to them for 20 years or something. But to me, it was really important to, to have them, to, for them to know that whatever they vote on, that what they talk about, that that's going to live, you know, somewhere in the internet, you know, and that people have access to it and they will be accountable to it. And, and it also gives a way for, you know, people who do care to know what's going on so they can contact them and, 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 and push for something, you know. So I, I think that it's really valuable. And I and here's like one thing that happened that I was just shocked about. I couldn't the day of my primary, I couldn't go. And uh, my friend um, Amy, uh, she she went and live streamed for me and uh, I couldn't hear. Uh, and so. Um, they had the speakers in the back of the room and I told her to move, tell them to move the speakers up and they wouldn't move it. And, I, and so I wrote this email to all of them that night and about transparency and how important this stuff is and blah, blah, blah. So they, they turned the speakers up and then one of the other members, Ken Martin, who is the chair of the uh, uh, the, the State Chairs Association, he's president of that, um, he made a motion for them to be moving towards transparency. And... Um, and so this last meeting in Providence, they didn't live stream it, but they recorded it and they're going to put it on their, their website. And I, I think that I have like a little bit to do with that. And, okay. and it was really yeah. funny because like several, several of the members came up to me and pointed to, like, hey, did you see the, the camera over there? And I'm like, yeah. And, uh, and Donna Brazil, who I, I have difficulties <laughs> with, like she specifically came to me and pointed out and she said, they told me that they didn't have money to do this. And I told them that they spend their money and all kinds of other stupid shit. Uh, they need to do this. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah. And so, uh, ho I mean, they need to move towards live streaming. Um, but I don't know why it costs anything. It doesn't cost me anything. It's free. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I, I just think it's uh, really important and I, I appreciate you know, everybody that has, um, you know, offered support. And now I think more people are going to watch the live streams yeah. and that makes me happy as well. Um, you so without had, a doubt had it, don't even downplay it. You without a doubt are responsible for, for that without a doubt. So thank you. That's great. Where can people follow? Cause I'm sure, especially for this, the big one that you're the big, the, the, the grand finale coming up in Chicago, where can people follow you so that they can, uh, check out your work and especially watch your streams while you're there in Chicago. Okay. So my, I did have like my campaign page and I was, uh, I did initially did some for my personal page that I'm going to try to move over, but I had my campaign page. So I just changed, it was Vickers for house, but I changed it to just Selena Vickers and it's a page and there are, events on that so each of these meetings were an event and they can watch them in there and then I have my um, my website for my campaign I just kind of turned it into a little bit 
different just for this stuff. And there's a whole section on there that, that are links, not only to my live streams, but also to the DNC has better recording and C-SPAN has better recording. Now, some of them, and I put those links, but the ones that did not have that, that aren't covered by C-SPAN or on the DNC website are on my Facebook events and I have the link. So that's at selenavickers.com. Um, and then um, my Twitter and I'm really, I really suck at Twitter, but I'm trying to be a little bit better, <laughs> but it's uh, just Selena Vickers. All right, Selena, thank you so much for joining us today. This was fantastic. You know, I really enjoyed not only the, why I had you on for the DNC uh, story, but just getting to learn. I, I did not know a lot of the things that we discussed about uh, West Virginia and, and the politics there. So thank you so much. Uh, hope to uh, talk to you again soon. Yes, I hope we are not doomed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank Take you so care. much. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Let's just pull up. I'm going to pull up just a few of the, um, the comments. Uh, we're going to have to end up doing like a, a call show because uh, lately these interviews have been going along. And I have not been able to take calls. So let me just, and that's the same for today. I won't be able to take your calls today, uh, Jameson. Uh, let, me, uh, let me read some comments here. Um, oh, no, Miki's no longer with TYT. I did not know that. Thank you, guys. I, I did not know that. That is something that I just found out. Cool. Okay. Let's go to what's this right here? Let's see. Uh, Emma is great too. Yes, she is. I think Emma's absolutely great too. I'm glad she, uh, you know, I'm glad she uh, got to really take over that TYT politics feed. Actually, once uh, you know the things. The drama that happened over there with uh, some other guy happened. I'm glad that didn't all, you know, she, she seems great. So I'm happy that she, uh, <laughs> someone goes, hear that, Jameson? Time to call in. Uh, great interview, Matt. Thank you. Um, there was one or two comments I saw from earlier that I wanted to get to. Oh, someone mentioned we're about Elizabeth Warren um, in West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the, uh, the, the former professor... It's going to bode too well. And uh, I like Elizabeth Warren, don't get me wrong, but I don't think she's going to, you know, win over the people of West Virginia. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, I find it really interesting, you know, that, that, that Sean King story came out where he wrote about how Sean King, uh, uh, Sean King wrote about how Bernie Sanders, as he spoke to him during the 2015 and uh, in 2015 and 2016, as the election, primary election was kicking off. And how Bernie basically was learning about a lot of, a lot of these uh racial justice issues and how many people are, you know, uh, stuck behind bars because of uh, uh, they can't uh, afford the, the bail. And people were attacking uh, Bernie for apparently not knowing this. I, I just couldn't believe this. Like, you name another Democratic politician who, at least on a national scale, was talking about this stuff in before 2015. Please, give me a break. And... A lot of these people, Elizabeth Warren is one of their, pe their people they like to see run. Elizabeth Warren is worse on these issues than Bernie. Like, I like Elizabeth Warren a lot. She's great when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, on Wall Street and, and uh, finance and economic issues, too. Yes, obviously, different way than Bernie is. Uh, she's great when she's, uh, you know, 
knocking on 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 bankers when she has them sitting there in front of her. Um, she's great on these issues, but where has she been on 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 racial justice and these sort of issues? Like, are you serious? She's worse than Bernie on these things. Um, and again, I'm saying this as a fan of Elizabeth Warren. This is something she'd have to fix if she was to run for president. Uh, let's see another, let's see more comments here. Vermin Supreme 2020. Uh... So let me just, because I'm going to cut this part out. So let me go through how you could support this show. Because I mentioned it earlier when there was that issue with the Skype call. So let me say it now because that part, the earlier one's getting cut out. You could support this show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mattbinder. $5 a month helps support this show. You know, we've been sort of slow in getting reaching the goal, but we're all we're going to get closer. Maybe I'm going to lower that goal a bit so we hit it because I will put out that special bonus only Patreon material uh, as soon as we hit that goal. But also remember that there was no live stream feed before the Patreon page. Patrons make this live stream happen which means they make the comments and the call-ins and all that other stuff that isn't that wasn't previously in the free weekly interviews happen. I was not doing this before uh the patrons started to give me money. <laughs> it's just hard, you know. I need to you know, equipment-wise and now that I have the equipment time-wise, I need to really, you know, I'm still going to do the free show, but patrons make the rest of the stuff happen. Uh let's see what else. Uh, oh, Jim Justice is a great name. He was the guy, if you remember, who Trump had when he went when Trump went to when Trump was already president and he went to have a a rally in West Virginia. He said he had some big announcement, and Jim Justice went up there with Trump and made his official switch back to the Republican Party as he's he was already nominated by the. Uh, by, uh, as a Democrat to become governor, and it already happened, so he made that big switch back to becoming a Republican with Trump at that Trump rally. Jim Justice. Not related to Sid Justice, by the way. All right, folks. Oh, um, uh, this is an interesting comment, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on this one. Cesarius asks, how do I think... Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I've listened to her name a million times. For some reason, I'm having a mental block right now. How I think she's going to do versus Crowley. Interesting story. She, uh, I'm actually one neighborhood over from being in her district. So I've been following this race uh, very closely, and it also kills me that I cannot vote for her. I know those neighborhoods in Queens very, very well. And I think she has a very good shot to win. Very good shot. It all depends on who goes out there on election day. Um, I'll probably talk about it more in the next podcast because that'll be the one right before the election day. Uh, Jim Justice, man spreader, says Dragon Slayer. All right, folks. I will talk to you all on the next episode of Doomed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel at doomed.tv. Subscribe to the iTunes feed. Oh, please, we're at something like, I think we're at like maybe close to 90, if not 90 reviews on iTunes. Get me to 100 reviews on iTunes and I will be ecstatic.
Let's do that. You can subscribe on iTunes for free to the free show, to, to the whole show you get on iTunes. You just don't, you know, the live stream stuff comes with that because of the members, the patrons. And uh, while you're there, leave a rating and a review, and I'll be eternally grateful. See you all next time on... Oh, wait. How about the question regarding the purging of the voter rolls to the Supreme Court, if I have time, that's from blah, blah, blah. That's really an issue that we're going to probably talk a whole episode on. I don't want to really just throw it in here right now. But I saw your comment. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) See you all next time on Doomed. (laughs) 